back to Inside the Oval presented by Dignity Health. This week, I'm joined by 49ers Vice President of Community Impact, Jenny Luke. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. You are the first person, as far as I know, to hold the title of 49ers Vice President of Community Impact. Can you explain what your responsibilities are in that role? Sure. Yes, you are correct. This is a new role for the organization. And I, you know, to my understanding, the way it came about is that the 49ers have over time invested so much into the community that they really needed somebody to oversee it and give it um, a little bit of TLC. So in that sense, I have about 25 full-time employees that work in community impact, and that is spread out throughout our 49ers Foundation, as well as our two direct service programs of the foundation, which are EDU and PrEP, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about. I also oversee the Community Relations Department, which is the intersection of our team, our players, our coaches, and the community with all the volunteerism and other ex, you know things that they do, their families. And then I also have the real pleasure of overseeing the museum, the 49ers Museum, which is uh, in Levi's Stadium, and our fan engagement programs. So a lot of it is really just anything that touches and communicates externally uh, in a in a community building way is the, the very, I guess, simplest way to say it. Not to throw out uh, fan engagement and museum, but they just don't happen to fall in the next question. (laughs) But for community foundation prep and EDU on the surface, they might seem like they serve different functions, have different events, but how do those groups work together as a community impact team to support the 49ers philanthropic causes And how much overlap is there actually in the work that they do? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, the mission of the 49ers Foundation is to educate and empower Bay Area youth. And so our EDU and prep teams are all about fulfilling that mission in the community, as is our community relations team, Um, even though the community relations team is not uh, part of the foundation. So... I would say the through line with everything is just about how are we ensuring that the community that we live and love, uh, live in and love the Bay Area and that we play in, knows that we care, knows that we want to support most sort of important needs of the community and do it on a really in a really well invested way and on a consistent basis. So the prep programs, for example, is really about youth health and wellness. And we, you know, we'll do one day skills camps where kids can come out and learn some tips and tricks about how to do football skills, but certainly other fitness skills. We also sponsor and work with flag football teams, making sure that their coaches have all the kind of health and safety updates that our NFL coaches get. So they get up to the minute safety and health kind of coaching that they wouldn't get anywhere else. So those are really important aspects of the the prep team's work that they do in the community. And then our EDU team is really about sparking STEM programming, STEAM programming, really science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, and sparking an interest for kids uh, and youth kind of K through eighth about sparking an interest in these principles through the, the lens of football. So like the 
the flight of a football is something that they can really get into and help them understand, oh, that's science, that's that's math, that's, you know, engineering goes into the, the building of Levi's Stadium. So everything that we do in the community impact department really does tie back to the mission of the foundation about educating and empowering Bay Area youth, but also just our desire to be a good neighbor and a good partner in the community. One of the many things I think is really cool about you is that you actually started out as an Mm -hmm. attorney, but after getting through school and starting to practice law, kind of realized it wasn't necessarily your perfect career path, and then went on to work in a few different fields and all across the country. In your role now, how much of your experience is in law as a literary agent and then with the ACLU and Step Up inform your decisions today with the community impact team? Yeah. So, um, sorry, that was a lot to unpack. I was going to say, that's a pretty big multi-part question, but that's okay. I'll, I'll try to, uh, you know, tackle it as, as a football reference. Um, so first of all, I love the law. Um, I, I wanted to be a lawyer. I grew up wanting to be a lawyer because I just started, I really started to understand like systemic problems and challenges and thought, well, law would be a way to make a difference for the most amount of people at one time, right? If you got into doing federal federal law, for example, you could, you could really impact a lot of people all at the same time. So my original goal, I think I was 14 when I, I was like, yeah, I want to be on the Supreme Court. <laughs> so, you know, ambitious. Um, so the law to me, the really, the it's my why is sort of, is really around social racial justice issues. And a lot of it is around equity, 14th amendment, you know, um, equality. So those are the, the through lines, right? So that's the through line in doing the work with the ACLU. It's the through line in being the CEO of Step Up for 10 years and working in after school programs with rural communities across the country. Um, it is not the through line in being a literary agent. <laughs> I was wondering about that one. Yeah, well, that was the piece where I, you know, I lost sight of my why for a little bit. You know, I had become an attorney. I didn't enjoy the practice of it the way that I had hoped that I would. And I was really just confused about what to do next. And I think I really identified with, well, what do lawyers do when they want to not practice law anymore? And if you live in Los Angeles, the answer to that is you become an agent or one of the answers to that. And so I did. I worked um, in the entertainment business for five great years and worked as an, an agent representing writers and directors for film and television. And it was a really great experience, but it wasn't totally in alignment with that why of like, you know, I care about social and racial justice and that's that's the reason why I want to get out of bed every day. So so once I started to sort that out, I was introduced to the world of nonprofit. And it seems strange that I didn't know about it before, but I somehow didn't think of that as a career opportunity for myself until a little bit until a little bit later. So it took me a minute to get there, but once I got into nonprofit, and particularly I've kind of been on the business side of nonprofit. Uh, the fundraising and partnerships side of things. I was a CEO, so running the company for 10 years. So that to me has been a real good, a really good fit. And I think the way that I bring all of that experience to bear on my role at the Niners is really trying to to build cohesion and a consistent through line 
through the, the six different areas of the organization that are that make up community impact. Be strategic, be business-minded about it, make sure that we're, we're getting a great return on investment for the dollars we're investing in the community and that others are others think of us as an organization that really is doing great work. So lots of different ways that my experience applies, but I guess that's the, the overview. Well, and speaking about a why to care about equality and racial and social justice, something I've come to really appreciate since working in this organization is the ability for an NFL team, a player, I guess the league itself, to make societal change. 2020 has been a a year, but uh, your team specifically has worked to bolster online education curriculums and football lessons to keep kids active at home, supported people and businesses affected by COVID-19, and then were incredibly vocal about social justice and announced and selected the recipients of a million-dollar grant. How was your team able to not only pivot to a virtual platform uh, with work from home and the challenges of a pandemic, but also able to work to cover all of the issues you guys were able to support this year? Yeah, I mean... I'm incredibly fortunate to work with a team of just people who are excellent. So I think that that's how it got done, to be honest. I mean, it's not only people who are good at what they do or excel at what they do. It's that they are also incredibly aligned. They do the work because these are the issues that they care about and and why they get out of it every day. So I think that the community impact department as a whole, you will find people that are driven to, to be educators, to be focused on social, social issues, and to understand that they have the opportunity to leverage the platform of the 49ers to make a real impact. So the way we were able to get all of these things done, right, COVID response, wildfire response, you know, how do we, how do we address social justice, not just externally in our community with the grantees that we were that we're now working with for the next couple of years but also think about how do we lead that internally and make sure that that folks are feeling supported internally so it's it's because people are excellent at what they do it's because they were able to be creative and resilient and apply their expertise to these changing situations and come out with just incredible results. You know, I am just really proud of the work that everyone's done. What were those initial conversations like you realized whether I guess it could be any of the events that happened this year but what were the first steps to deciding this is something we want to address and this is how we're going to do it as I think with just about anything our leadership at the top of the organization from our owners from Jed John Denise Jenna Mara they align and provide a lot of thinking and and direction as well as Al and our our entire front office. So I think it's making sure that we, any ideas that we have are aligned with the the sort of broader organizational response. And the great news is that there's always alignment because we have owners and leaders who care very much about the community. So that's not a tough thing to accomplish, but it's something that's important to acknowledge because it does tend to happen quickly within the Niners. And we don't, we don't spend a lot of time navel gazing, like, should we, shouldn't we? It's more like, Hey, here's what we should do. Let's get it done. 
So, you know, I think it, we're fortunate to be able to start there. And then I think, you know, it's coming together as a leadership team, thinking about all the different ways in which we can serve the community. I think with COVID, as you mentioned, our one of our major responses that we did through the foundation and our EDU and prep programs is convert all of our programs that are designed to be in-person program delivery um, and redesign them to be digital platforms and make them available to educators. Uh, we're partnered with, gosh, I think I've lost track, but it's close to a hundred different schools within, let's call it 20 different school districts around the Bay serving, you know, I don't know, over 75,000 youth. So there's 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 quite a reach that we've been able to accomplish with our, our programs, but also not only are they just available, but they're aligned with California state education standards. So it, there's a lot of expertise that goes into being able to pivot something that large um, that quickly. So it's, it's kudos to the team. And I think from the racial and social justice work, again, it's like the directive from... Jed and the York family to have a million dollars that we can grant into the community and coming up with and designing an appropriate process for making the decision of who those those grantee organizations were going to be. You know, that's on Stacy and her community relations team to execute and, you know, did it really beautifully, making it very inclusive. You know, ultimately we had our um, employee resource groups lean into that. We had our players and their social justice committee make the final decisions and interview the grantees. So we've had this incredibly collaborative approach to getting all of this done. And it, it's, I think it's another sort of testament to we've gotten a lot done because we've done it together. Whereas I think a lot of people think, oh, the more voices you invite into the conversation, the longer it's going to take or the more complicated it is. I think we've found the opposite. It's like set some direction and then let everybody get creative and, and contribute. So that was a very long answer. I think I, I hopefully answered your question. No, absolutely. And it is something I really enjoy working with the community impact team for is that there are multiple groups, mm -hmm. lots of people who work in that team. And there is a sense of um, co a collaborative sense of like a work yeah. environment. And so that's always fun because anytime you get with them, it very much is bouncing ideas back and forth and what's the best, fastest, and most effective way that we can pull off all of the events and programs that your team yeah. is doing. And then just quick plug, anyone who wants EDU and prep virtual programs, 49ers.com slash digital huddle, because it's super cool. There's a lot of really amazing resources. On There's there. some very fun stuff on there. Thanks for the plug. It's, it's really amazing. After seeing this year, so many leagues and players speak out yeah. about issues. Do you think more teams will adopt a community impact approach and that structure will evolve moving forward? And do you think it's important for sports organizations to use their platforms to get involved in current issues? Yeah. So two really big, epic questions. Um, I'll, I'll answer the second one first. I mean, I do think that, that sports leagues, NF, you know, the NFL specifically, our players have this incredible reach with their voice. And so they obviously can choose to use it how they want to, but do I think, and would I advocate for using it for, you know, to be the kind of change you want to see in the world? Absolutely. I think they have the privilege of so many eyeballs on them because they're talented, they're committed, 
they are responsible, respectable. Like they, they're just these incredible people. And so people look up to them, they listen to them. And I think that if you are really committed to social and racial justice issues, there's no reason not to men- to talk about it and to kind of put your experiences out there. I think it's incredibly impactful and a great tool to use. I think that we saw incredible response from sports leagues around, you know, certainly across the United States, the NBA, the WNBA did incredible work around um, social and racial justice and using their platforms, using their, the bubble situation that they were in to communicate and share uh, ideas. I think the NFL Players Association, the NFL, working with the Players Coalition, doing some incredible work that not, I mean, a lot of it's been public and you know, I think that um, all of that's really important, but I think the private work behind the scenes that has been going on with players and with teams and with front offices has actually been more exciting to me. You know, the fact that we're having town hall meetings, that we're learning from leaders within the, the space, like that's incredible to me. And I think, you know, those are the kinds of things that, that, workplaces should continue to do. And I think that it's great for sports to be able to leverage themselves that way. And do I think that, that, that teams are going to invest more in their community impact? Um, and should they, I mean, do I think they should? Sure. I think so. You know, because not just because it's the work that I do and therefore I, I think it's cool, but I think because sports teams are so incredibly privileged member, like they're a privileged organization within any community. And so when you have that much privilege as an individual or as an organization, to be able to leverage that to benefit the community that you're in, you know, when you benefit so much from being there is a no brainer. Right. And it's, a way to build a more authentic relationship with the community when you're able to be on the ground with folks, like hearing from them what they need, what they're into, how we can support and how we can play together and have fun and, you know, create memories together to make a real identity for a city. So I think it's, I hope that it will increase, you know, for a lot of reasons, but I think, uh, I think most most teams now are starting to really see the value if they hadn't before. I'm going to go back a little bit. Well, in 2013, you were a part of a LinkedIn discussion series called What Women Want at Work. And you talked about mentorship and that it doesn't always have to be long-term, one-to-one, and that you can learn a lot from someone you've met Mm -hmm. once. You can be inspired by women you've never met. At the 49ers, we have a group called Women's Connect. So you serve as the executive advisor. Long question, so I'm prefacing it this yep. time. Can you talk about, one, the importance of having a strong network of women in your professional network, and especially in fields that are more male-dominated, like sports? And two why you've gotten so involved in supporting not just Women's Connect, but all of the ERGs in the 49ers organization. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if there's a short or easy answer to that other than, you know, I think, gosh, I mean, I think the building a network of support is appropriate for anybody, right? And I've just spent a lot of time building a network of support amongst women (laughs) Um, because 
I've done a lot of that professionally and I have an incredible network of support from women across the country that I'm lucky to call friends and can call on. But I think it also goes back to my kind of underlying why of social and racial justice and, and basically equality, right? So gender equality is is something that is extremely important to me. It's something that you kind of have to work on every day. And there are certain things that only women who share in your work experience will understand. And so it's important to, to kind of make your, make sure you've got some support where you need it. But I'd love to chat a little bit about like what you highlighted from my sort of mentorship conversation. Mentors are amazing. So I think, you know, you can identify them however you want. I think that one of the things that we've, we had as a model um, at, at the organization step up is instead of having one-to-one long-term mentoring relationships, which is more the standard and is, is proven to be incredibly effective for changing outcomes for youth, particularly around academic success, what we were striving for was social emotional learning and social capital building. So if you're trying to learn skills and communicate with more and more people, and if you're trying to make sure that you're building networks in different communities, right? Then, then having just one mentor or having five mentors that you consistently go to isn't necessarily helping you accomplish that. So we had set up a model that was one teen in our program to the entire network of women. So every single time that that young woman came to a program, we intentionally paired her with a different professional woman from within our network. And that was very intentional because we had different goals for, for the mentorship and for building that, that network of support. So I think you really just have to tailor what you need support, where you need support, and kind of go and build from there. Again, I may have lost track of other elements of the question, but those are that's where I was drawn to, to answer. Oh, we're talking about the ERGs though, right? Yeah. I love the ERGs. So yeah, so I was very fortunate right at the beginning of my tenure at the 49ers to be invited to be the executive advisor for Women Connect. And I get to work with some incredible uh, leaders from within our organization, um, Robin, Sophie, Allison, Chelsea, among many others, who really run it day to day. And then I just support where I can. The other the other three ERGs, the employee resource groups that we have at the organization really developed over the course of the summer was very organic. And it was in the wake of the murder of George Floyd and conversations really ramping up around social justice within the organization and what structures do we have in place to support people. And it's been amazing to see the Latinx group, the um, Asian American Pacific Islander group, the BUILD group, which is Black United in Leadership Development, be part of the ERG landscape. Um, so now, because Women Connect has been around the longest, which I think is maybe four years, and we've had some practices in place and some ability to, to throw events or have panel discussions, it's been great to be able to broaden our um, our circle and be more collaborative and say, okay, we were thinking about putting this on, but we'd love to do this as a collaborative event between all of the, of the employee resource groups. So I think employee resource groups are again, a valuable place for folks to build a network of support within their own organization. I think there's really important as we continue to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion within the 49ers. And I think it's great to, to be able to interact with those groups and have the leaders that are, in, that are 
in, in evidence there. Uh, it's a great pleasure to get to interact. But to be clear, there are other executive advisors for the other groups, and I was not part of their, their inception, but I've just been grateful to be able to collaborate with them. One thing I really liked about listening to the setup at Step Up is we do uh, Wednesday morning mm-hmm. Women Connect coffee mm-hmm. chats. And it is kind of following a similar pattern to that. I don't know if I've really had in our like breakout sessions, whenever we've done them or gotten into smaller groups, I haven't had very many people in the same group. So that's kind of fun. It's really fun. And sadly, I've only woken up to participate in maybe like two or three of those. Uh, I get up early, but then I'm like off exercising or doing something and then I'm sweaty. And then I'm like, do I really want to show my face on this? But See, I, I'm kind of cheating. I Since we started working from home, I went back home for a little bit to Wisconsin. Ah. So it's really not that it's really not that early here. You are cheating. Thanks for, thanks for sharing right? so that I wasn't, wasn't feeling so bad. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, in a couple of these podcasts, we've tried quick hits. Okay. And I really should come up with a new name for them because they're not. But we're going to try them again to start with. In every job description, there's that ominous other duties as assigned. (laughs) Has there been something that you've done in your position with the 49ers that you weren't expecting? I mean, I mean, the short answer is no, because it's a brand new role for the organization. So I'm kind of building it as I go. So I don't, I think I'm, I have been working on the things that were expected and then everything else that comes up, that's just, that's just typical of running a business and, and being, being an executive and working with teams and reacting and responding and being resilient. So no, that was not a quick hit. Sorry. I'll try to be more concise. Oh, they, none of them are, they are not written that way. I really do need to come up with a new name for this segment. Uh, thanks to the Yorks as front office staff, we were all fortunate enough to go to Miami in February. Unbelievable. I think there are two interesting aspects to this. One, you had just recently started with the 49ers. So how yeah. was that experience to, with for you traveling with everybody? And do you have a favorite memory from that trip? Okay. First of all, I'm the luckiest person alive. I mean, I was hired. I was start. My first day was December 16th, you know, and we were in the Super Bowl, what, February 3rd. So it was pretty crazy. Um, I did feel a part of the whole season simply because I was interviewing and flying out a lot and talking with a lot of folks and like having heart attacks, watching the games on TV. So, um, I did feel a part of the season, but technically I only started toward the end. Um, so I was incredibly fortunate And let's be clear, I'd been in nonprofit for the last, you know, 15 years prior. So to have the types of VIP experience and the perks (laughs) that we had was like, I was just laughing the whole time. And I would say my favorite Super Bowl memory, I mean, honestly, I was able to bring my sister with me. And so it was just cool to see her reaction to everything. Like, I think I have video of her. Like, I mean, honestly, I think the thing that that we all knew we were having a really special trip when we're like, oh my gosh, we're going on a charter flight, but we're on the bus from the stadium to the airport and the, we're getting a police escort. Yeah. Like, you knew you had arrived when, when the police escort rolled you to the tarmac. Like, that was epic. So even though there were many, many other special memories in the Super Bowl, that was when, like, my sister and I were like, wow, this is amazing. Like, this is really special. 
And uh, we're so, so fortunate. No, that was probably one of my, like, it was a very poignant moment where you were like, ah, this trip is different. (laughs) Yes, exactly. In a weird way, it was meaningful. Like, even though it's just a bus ride, but like, it somehow really did mean something. So yeah, and it was everybody on the bus was having the same reaction. So it felt like a very communal sort of like gratitude moment. So it was cool. I know. Weirdly, my favorite moment might be watching everyone try to get their photos going up the stairs to the plane. That was yes, really enjoyable real. to watch. Yeah. Yeah. We just didn't want anyone to fall. That would have been bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We talked about quite a few of the community impact events that have happened this year, but have you had a project that's stood out to you or that has been kind of at the forefront of, I won't say your favorite because that's like picking a favorite Mm -hmm. child, but one that has really stood out to you so far? I mean, yeah, there, there have been a lot and I will say some of it is a bit of a blur because I'm, well, let's be clear too. So I came in at the end of last season. And so the traditional way that we do events in person, um, I only had an opportunity to attend a few but they were great because I was learning and seeing everyone on the job and kind of getting in the flow of it. What I think has been really impactful for me is seeing us activate and pivot everything in community to digital. So, you know, the teams have had to get really creative as we already talked about, you know, one in-person event that we were able to put together safely was with Second Harvest and doing a food a food bank. They've had such a spike in need given COVID. Um, I mean, the Bay Area is already has a, a huge food insecurity issue. And then it's just, you know, I think at least tripled during COVID. So it was really meaningful to be able to go with the team, see people in person, be masked up, have our PPE and, and be able to support Second Harvest. So that was really cool. But then doing digital stuff, I mean, like getting creative. I mean, shout out to Stacy and her community relations team for using a robot to help celebrate our cancer warriors. You know, I mean, it's just cool opportunities like that to get creative, to think on your feet. How can we give people the experience of being at the stadium with our players, getting toured around when they physically can't be there? Let's use a robot. So you know, I just think that the ingenuity and the meaning that we're trying to accomplish with the events is still coming through. And that's that's what I think is so cool. Can you share any sneak peeks of upcoming community impact events or fun things your team is working on? I know there are quite a few. I mean, we are the most fun team in, in the organization, let's be clear. And the busiest. And the busiest. Yes, that is probably true. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things going on, but I will highlight, well, you know, Giving Tuesday, the foundation has a lot going on around Giving Tuesday. We have a holiday sports auction. So if folks are looking for amazing gifts that they want to give to the people in their lives, check out our holiday sports auction um, so that they can bid on some of those amazing items. We've got our ongoing work with students through EDU and PrEP. I know that our community relations team has been working really hard for the December 7th game, which um, is going to be my cause, my cleats, as well as our Inspire Change 
game. So talking about social justice issues, there's some really amazing uh, content around the work that our players have been doing in the community around social justice. So that's going to be cool to watch for. And then, I mean, the fan engagement group is having a good time. Uh, Nick Clark monthly hosts uh, a fan, a, a trivia night and are uh, sponsored by SAP. And then we have a lot of great content for our women of the Niners fan group, our pride group, our kids club. So he's been running the show, doing a lot of digital events for, for those groups. So, so much upcoming and it's all good. It's fun stuff. Jenny, thank you. So I cannot thank you enough for coming on this podcast and giving your time to speak about community impact and your role and your history. So it was so much fun speaking with you and truly I cannot thank you enough. Well, great to talk to you too. I am really, I mean, I feel lucky that I got invited to, to speak. So thank you for having me. And I know I won't see you soon for real, but, but I'll see you virtually soon.